Hey, how's it going? I'm your host, Gerhard Zhu, and you're listening to Ship It, a podcast about getting your best ideas into the world and seeing what happens. We talk about code, ops, infrastructure, and the people that make it happen. Yes, we focus on the people because everything else is an implementation detail. Today, I'm joined by Alex Kutmos, author of Promex, an Elixir Prometheus metrics library, Beam radio host, as well as N plus one magician. If you have been following the changelog.com GitHub repository, Alex is the one that made some of our N plus one SQL queries disappear. In this episode, we talk about Promex, how we use it in changelog.com, and the essential role that it plays in our upcoming Erlang 24 upgrade. If you had any Friday evening plans, cancel them. We will be streaming live on our YouTube channel a Friday evening changelog.com deploy of Erlang24. We'll be observing the impact of this upgrade with Promex in Grafana Cloud. You don't want to miss that. Big thanks to our partners Fastly, LaunchDarkly and Linode. Our bandwidth is provided by Fastly. Learn more at fastly.com. Feature flags powered by launchdarkly.com and we love Linode. They keep it fast and simple. Check them out at linode.com forward slash changelog. This episode of Ship It is brought to you by Render, the zero DevOps cloud that empowers you to ship faster than your competitors. Here's Anurag Goel, CEO of Render, sharing why developers choose Render over Heroku and how they're innovating much faster. A lot of Render customers come to us from Heroku and they tell us Render is what Heroku could have been. I think it's because we offer a more streamlined approach to hosting modern cloud applications at a significantly better price point. Applications on Render heal themselves and scale automatically, giving developers the features and flexibility of something like Kubernetes, but without any of the complexity. We're always working to bring the latest industry advances to our platform. So your applications can leverage the state of the art in the cloud without you having to do or learn anything. All right, learn more about how Render compares to Heroku at render.com compare or email changelog at render.com for a personal intro and to ask questions about the Render platform. Again, that's render.com compare or email changelog at render.com. Okay, so hey, welcome to the show. We have Alex today with us, Alex Kutmos. Some of you may know him from Beam Radio, for those that are listening. Elixir, you have Elixir tips, I think, going. Tip 100 landed not long ago, right? That was like a... I do indeed, yeah. And then I'm I'm taking a small hiatus from Twitter tips regarding Elixir, but I will be back into it shortly. Don't worry, everyone. Right. Yeah, so Alex has been around in the Erlang Elixir community for some years now. I don't know how many. I think... It's got to be like six years now. I read Sasha Yurik's book, Elixir in Action, back in 2015 mm-hmm. and was hooked on the, on the beam since then. Yeah, I guess it's been since 2015 I've been working on the beam. That sounds awesome. So the way I know you, Alex, is from the work that you've been doing on the Changelog app, which is happens to be an Elixir, Phoenix, Erlang behind the scenes app. You've been doing some fantastic optimizations, especially with those N plus one queries. Thank goodness for that, because the website would be much slower <laughs> without. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and those things didn't happen in Void, right? So you had this amazing library, which you just happen to have. I, I don't know how many libraries you have, but I'm sure you have a few. But this is PromX or PromEX, as I like to pronounce it because of that underscore. <laughs> and PromEX, can you tell us a bit more about that, what that is, the library? Sure thing. I guess the elevator pitch for PromEx is that you drop in this one library, you add it to your application supervision tree, and then you do some slight configuration, kind of like in the, you know, like Ecto repo where you slightly configure your repo, you slightly configure your PromEx module, and then you say, hey, I want a you know, metrics plugin for Phoenix, metrics plugin for Ecto. I also have one for Open and LiveView. So you kind of pull in whatever plugins you want that are applicable to your project. And then that's literally it. That's all you have to do. And then you have Prometheus metrics for all the plugins that you configured. And then for every plugin that I write that captures Prometheus metrics, there's also a corresponding Grafana dashboard that Promix will also upload to Grafana for you if you choose to have Promix do that. I mean, it's kind of like an end-to-end -end solution for monitoring. And I mean, you could set Promix up and get dashboards and metrics in like five minutes. I really like that part, especially the Grafana dashboard. Sometimes it's just so difficult to integrate it just right, get the correct labels, get the correct things, like what happens when there's an update? Then you have to update the Grafana dashboard. And the one really interesting thing that Promex, I'm pronouncing it the way you're pronouncing it, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> it's your library, right? So you're a boss here. So Promex, <laughs> I like it how it manages all aspects of metrics all the way from the Erlang VM all the metrics, not just Erlang metrics, but also, as you mentioned, all those libraries, all those components, right, of an Elixir Phoenix app, mm -hmm. and end-to-end, -end, including when you have new deploys. Exactly. I thought those annotations were so sweet, right, because it basically owns the entire chain. It will annotate your Grafana dashboards when there are deploys. I thought it was amazing. Like, never mind managing them, which is super cool. You also get annotations as to who deployed and which commit was deployed. That was so cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, these have been pain points for me personally, uh, probably since like 2017, because I've been using Prometheus and Grafana for some time now. And I felt like every project I was doing the same boilerplate every single time, like with the annotations and stuff like that. But even after I set up that boilerplate, I'd still have problems where it's like, oh, look, a library maintainer updated their Prometheus package and you got some slightly different metrics. And now I have to manually know about that and then go pull down their JSON definition for the, uh, you know, the, the, the Grafana dashboard. And then I have to go into Grafana, copy and paste it. You know, lo and behold, there's some slight label discrepancies. And like this churn all the time, there had to have been better way. I've been playing around with these ideas for probably a couple of years now. Yeah, I mean, Promex is kind of that materialization of all those ideas. And it's, I mean, slightly opinionated. I feel like a good tool should have some opinions if those opinions align with the you know the library consumers that's great else you know maybe look elsewhere and, and see if some other solutions fit your problems better yeah that's right so i remember when um you were early days i would say maybe the beginning the beginning of promex when uh, um we were trying to figure out like what dashboards are missing and can we improve them slightly so i remember us working together a little bit it wasn't a massive amount but just enough to make them nice the integration was really nice I remember when you added support for custom dashboards, which we do make use of, by the way. So we have some mm -hmm. custom dashboards as well that Promex can upload for you. That was a great feature. So now we store our Grafana Cloud dashboards with the app and Promex updates them. So we have like nice version control going around. And you heard that right. We do use Grafana Cloud. We used to run our own Grafana, 
But then it was much easier to set up Grafana Agent, scrape all the metrics, scrape all the logs from our apps, from all the pods, from everything. We have even the node exporter integration in the Grafana Cloud Agent. We ship all those things to Grafana Cloud. Promex handles most of the dashboards for us, which is really cool. And we have that nice integration going from our infrastructure, which is running Kubernetes, implementation detail, I suppose. But we have a really nice setup, all version controlled, and Promex handles a lot of the automation between the Grafana Cloud and our app, or shall I say the other way around, between our app and the Grafana Cloud. So just to backtrack a little bit, all this was possible, I think the beginning was the application. So changelog.com, it's publicly available, freely available, the source code. It's a Phoenix application. That was an excellent idea, Jared. I don't want to say it's one of the best ones you've had, but it was a genius idea, right, to do that. That was so good. And what that meant is that we were exposed to this whole ecosystem, which is Erlang, Elixir, Phoenix, and there's so many good things happening in it. So the app, changelog, is running Phoenix 1.5 right now, Elixir 1.11, but 1.12 just came out, so I'm really excited to try that out. And Erlang 23. But as we all know, Erlang 24 got shipped not long ago. And that is an amazing release. What gets you excited about Erlang 24, Alex? I think the biggest thing is probably the most obvious one, which is the just-in-time compiler that landed in OTP 24. That has some big promises in store, I think, for everyone running Elixir and Phoenix applications. I think a few months ago, I was actually playing around with the OTP24 release and I had like a dummy Phoenix app and I just hit it with an HTTP stress tester. And it was a very simple app. I don't even think it had like a database back end to it. It was literally just, you know, pass some JSON, get a response back. And there were measurable differences between the OTP24, I think it was release candidate one I was running at the time, and uh, OTP23. And I was pretty impressed that with just a very simple hello world style uh, you know, rest endpoint, you still saw some pretty big performance gains. So I'm really curious to see you know, people taking measurements in production with, with actual live traffic and see you know, what the performance characteristics look like for applications with the changeover. Yeah. I mean, changelog can definitely benefit from that. It would be great to measure by how much. I think that's one of the plans, right? To try now that OTP24 is properly out. We had the first patch release land. And we also had just today, a few hours ago, thanks to Twitter and thanks to Alex, ARM support, ARM64 support for OTP24 with a just-in-time compiler. So for those that have tried it or would like to try it and are wondering why, the performance increases between 30 and 50%. So it can be up to 50% faster, whatever you're running, just simply by upgrading to 24. And yeah, depending on how it was compiled, how your code was compiled, it could be even higher. So it depends based on which optimizations you're picking up from OTP24. Okay, so how would someone using Promex, how would someone figure out what is faster? So you have your app, your Phoenix app or your Elixir app. I'm imagining that Promex works with Elixir as well. You don't have to have Phoenix. Is that right? Yeah. And the idea was to decouple the two because you mm. may want to grab Prometheus metrics on your application, but maybe it's like a, who knows, like a, like a queue worker, right? There's not going to be a Phoenix component there. But as we all know, Prometheus needs to scrape something over HTTP unless you're using a remote write. We'll get into that maybe a little bit later. Mm -hmm. So Promex actually does ship with a very, very lightweight HTTP server. 
and it'll just serve your, your metrics for you. So you can very easily run Promix inside of like a queue worker, expose that one endpoint and have you know, your Prometheus instance come and scrape it at its regular interval. Yeah, that's right. And you expose metrics, just metrics. Yes. Yeah. For now, it's just metrics. Earlier, you mentioned Grafana's uh, Grafana agent. And the mm -hmm. idea is to eventually ship that as part of Promix. It'll be like an optional download. So as Promix is starting, if you configure it to push Prometheus metrics, you can have Promix download the, the agent, get it up and running in a supervision tree. Then you don't even need to have Promix serve up an HTTP server. You can push metrics directly. And I've actually used Grafana's cloud offering. It's it's quite nice and it makes the observability story super, super nice, especially in like if you're running in Heroku or Gig Elixir, places where maybe you don't own the infrastructure end to end and it's tough to have a Prometheus instance scraping your stuff over the public internet. So remote write, Grafana agent, all super exciting things and hopefully coming soon to Promix. That's really interesting. So this is such an amazing piece of information, which I don't know how I've missed, but I'm glad that you mentioned this because we were thinking a couple of weeks back, how can we run the changelog app on render and have all the metrics and all the logs shipped to Grafana Cloud without having to set up something else that scrapes the metrics and tails the logs and then forwards them. So this is super exciting because you have metrics already. I am feature requesting logs, please, <laughs> so that we can ship the logs as well using the Grafana Cloud Agent, which I know it supports them. And then the only thing remaining would be traces, which by the way, it also supports. So we have the metrics, the events, or metrics, logs, and events. That is a very special trio. Can you tell us a bit more about that, Alex? What are your thoughts on that special trio? We could start with the abstract, and then we can work down into the technical nitty-gritty. So those mm -hmm. three that you mentioned just so happen to be the pillars of observability. All three of those are the three pillars of observability. It's theorized that if you have all three of these pillars in your app, you've achieved the coveted observability in all your SREs and your DevOps people in your organization will come and shake your hand and mm -hmm. all will be well in the world. But um, uh, <laughs> jokes aside, the idea is that these three different types of observability tools yield different benefits for your application. So with logs, if you're capturing uh, logs in your applications or your services, you can see you know, in very, very you know, nitty-gritty detail what's happening on every single request, what's happening, you know, if there are errors, if there are warnings, if you're having trouble connecting to other services, you get very, very fine-grained detail as to what's going on. This is super awesome, and uh, it's very helpful to have this very in-depth information. The problem is that you can kind of be inundated by too much information, and it's very difficult to kind of extrapolate higher meaning out of all this nitty-gritty uh, detail. And then if you've ever run like an Elk stack, and had to administer that, you know, the pains of, you know, trying to index all this data, you know, then you might say, okay, let's only log what's important. And I'm sure people with production apps have had their DevOps, people come to them and say, hey, let's dial back the logging. It's a little too much. And Elasticsearch is just keeling over. So, you know, then, then you reach for other tools like metrics, you know, metrics eventually find their way into some sort of a time series database. And they're usually pretty efficient in comparison to logs because they're more bounded, right? You have a measurement, you have a timestamp, and you have some labels associated with that. You know, a little asterisk there because that kind of depends on what your 
time series database of choices. But that's that's kind of roughly speaking what what goes into capturing time series data. So given that you've pared down what information you're capturing, you could start a lot more efficiently and it's a lot easier to query and you can keep these for way, way, way longer periods of time. But the problem is there that you've you've now traded off you know high fidelity logs for you know explicit metrics that you're capturing over time. So again, trade off and there are different tools for the job and you, you kind of reach for, for what's best at that particular point in time. And then traces is kind of like a, a merger of the two logs and metrics where you can see how long your application is sitting in different parts of the application. If you're making uh, external service calls, how long are you waiting for those external service calls? If you have something like Istio set up and you can track you know, requests across services, you can see how long it takes to you know, bounce across service A, B, C, and D, and how long it takes to unroll and go all the way back to the original caller. And then again, you get some metadata associated with those traces and timestamps and stuff like that. So again, all three of these are different tools. They have some overlap, but it's really a matter of picking the best tool for the job. And it'd be nice if you have all three of those in your, you know, in your company or application. But uh, in the real world, it is tough to get all three of these stood up and, and running efficiently and, and running effectively. I really like the way you think about this, I have to say. There is something pragmatic about it and something like you can have this within five minutes. But I also am very aware because I've been following charity majors, Honeycomb and those perspectives for many years. And my understanding is that the only thing you should care about is events. And if you have a data store that understands arbitrarily wide events, something that can query them just in time at scale, then you don't have to trade off the cardinality constraints that metrics have versus the volume of logs that is just too much and the indexing and how basically that happens behind the scenes of the implementation that limits you to how you use those logs. So I think that perspective is very interesting and I will definitely follow up on that some more in the context of the show of Ship It. But I'm also aware of where we are today. And when I say we, I mean the ChangeLog app, what we have already set up, and that ideal, which is everything in an event. I think whether we want to or not, I can see how we are going on the journey. Maybe some are more frustrated, others are more enlightened, but I can see how events potentially have the answer to all these things. But right now, the reality is that we still have to make this choice between metrics or logs, traces as well, and they're like separate components. And I think that Grafana Cloud is doing a pretty good job with Cortex, which is a Prometheus that scales, basically, Loki, which is for indexing logs, and it's great to derive insights out of that, and Tempo, which I haven't used yet, which is for traces. But there are like these, like the three components in the Grafana cloud that serve these three different functions. I think it's very interesting to get to that tool, which unifies them all. And Grafana cloud could be it, but there are others as well. Now, I'm not going to go through all the names because that's boring. But what is interesting is that, that we seem to be going in the same direction. And we may argue between ourselves whether the pillars of observability are a thing or are just, you know, a big joke, right? Different perspectives. But I think ultimately what really matters is being able to understand what is happening in your application or what is happening with your website or your service or whatever. 
unknown unknowns. I'm not going to open that can of worms. But the point being is, do you understand what is happening? It may be imperfect, it may be limited, but do you have at least like an idea of where to look, where the problems are? And I do know that Promex helped us or helped you with the N plus one queries, right? It was very obvious, hey, we have a problem with Ecto and this is what that problem looks like and this is how we fix it. And yes, we fixed it. Does Erlang 24 improve things to Erlang 23 and with what way? And we can answer those questions as well. So I think the monitoring is not going anywhere. And I think everybody respects it for what it is. But we also are aware that there are better ways and we should improve this. So with that in mind, where do you see Promex going? What are the hopes and the goals for the project? Yeah, sure thing. So I'm going to first address a couple of points that you made, and then, I'll, right. and then I'll answer the question. Sure. And this is just my own personal opinion. I don't see everything rolling up into one solution. I, I just don't think it's feasible at the moment. Like, would it be nice if everything was an event and we could easily search it and everything is, you know, hunky-dory? I think everyone would agree, yes, that would be great. And I think we've tried this in the past where, you know, stuff everything in Elk, write some nice regex expressions and extrapolate metrics from those regex expressions from your Elasticsearch database. And from organizations that have been at, that have gone down that route, it's extremely painful. Mm. I think for now, for the foreseeable future, having kind of those like explicit tools for explicit purposes, I think makes sense. Just because they're very different problems that are trying to be solved and trying to have you know one unifying tool that does all the things I don't think will pan out well. Mm. But I do like the approach that Grafana is taking and the observability community in general, where they're trying to provide bridges from you know one pillar to another. A perfect example is exemplars in Prometheus, right? where your uh, Prometheus metrics can have an exemplar tag on them. And it'll effectively say, hey, this metric data point is applicable to this trace. And you can kind of jump and say, oh, okay, something weird is happening here in the metrics. I'm getting a ton of 500s. Let me look at an exemplar for that 500. And you can click through and you can kind of shift your focus from metrics and go to traces, but still have that context of that, that problem that I was having 500s. So I think I like that approach better, where it's you can bounce between the different pillars of observability, but still have the context of, I'm trying to solve this problem. What is going on at this moment in time? Mm-hmm. So I like that approach. Again, you know, that's just my personal opinion. And to that end, and I'll go back to your original question now, I would like to get Promix to a point where it does take into account things like you know, traces and you could use exemplars. And if Grafana agents incorporated into Promix, you could very, very easily use like syslog and export logs from your application via syslog to Grafana agent, then those find their way to Loki. So I don't want to tailor Promex solely to Grafana, but I do see that Grafana is offering a lot of tooling that's very, very powerful, and I would love to leverage it. So hopefully that answers the question there. I think that's a very interesting perspective. I love that. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Cockroach Labs, the makers of CockroachDB, the most highly evolved database on the planet. With CockroachDB, you can scale fast, survive anything, and thrive everywhere. It's open source, Postgres wire compatible, 
and Kubernetes friendly, which means you can launch and run it anywhere. For those who need more, you can build and scale fast with Cockroach Cloud, which is CockroachDB hosted as a service. It's the simplest way to deploy CockroachDB and is available instantly on AWS and Google Cloud. With Cockroach Cloud, a team of world-class SREs maintains and manages your database infrastructure so you can focus less on ops and more on code. Get started for free with a 30-day free trial or try their new forever free tier that's super generous. Head to cockroachlabs.com slash changelog to learn more. Again, cockroachlabs.com slash changelog. That was a really interesting point that you've made, Alex, just before we took the break. And I would like to dig into it a little bit more. I would like to hear more about PromX, the hopes and goals, because I think there's more to unpack there. But I find it very interesting how the exemplars that you have in metrics, how they link to traces. And you mentioned something very interesting about logs and how a lot of information can be derived from them if the logs are in the right format. So in our changelog app, just to give that example, we have a lot of logs. Actually, most logs are still in the standard unstructured format. So you have like long lines of text and that's okay, but that's where the regex are needed to extract meaning from those lines. So the thing which I found to work a lot better, for example, Ingress Nginx, which we also run, is to use JSON logging. So we put all the different information, which you can think of them as metrics, in that one very wide event, which is like the log line. So for example, status 200, how many bytes, how long it took, which was the refer, stuff like that. And that information, when it ends up in Loki, writing log QL queries, which are very similar to prom QL queries, makes it easy to derive graphs which you would typically get from metrics, from your logs. So then the boundaries between metrics and logs are blurry. Like you don't really know whether was this a log or was this a metric. Does it really matter? It's what your understanding is from metrics and logs. So that makes me wonder, how are logs and metrics different if you use logs as JSON? And you have this arbitrarily wide metric, if you wish, because it's kind of metric, right? You have all these metrics like status, as I said, bytes, time taken, all those are metrics and they all appear in a single line. So what is the difference then between the metrics that you get in Prometheus, which have a slightly different format and the values like at the end, and then you have many metrics that you may put together, like for example, for samples or summaries, but in logs are slightly different and yet the end result is very, very similar. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, th I think... Uh... In the spirit of uh, you know, just-in-time JIT, I think that's effectively what we're doing with logs when we try to extrapolate uh, metrics out of them is through this uh, event into the ether with a whole bunch of, of data associated with it. Maybe we don't know what we want to do with it at the end, but uh, you know, given that, given that that event is in the database, we can extrapolate some metrics out of it. So we're just-in-time kind of getting some metrics out of that log. Mm -hmm. You could do that. You, you could go down that route. I think that for some scenarios, that may be your only option. Like let's say you're running an external service and all it's giving you is structured logs out. There's no way to tie in, you know, maybe um, an agent inside of there or get internal events and, and hook in your own Prometheus exporter. For some scenarios, that may be your only option. And then I think that's a valid use case. 
and you know read the structured logs and generate some metrics out of them. But for when you can control those things, I think storing them in a time series database, I think will be beneficial for the team because it's less stress on the infrastructure. It'll be far more performant. So it's, again, a bit of a trade-off there as to what route you go down. Mm, that's interesting. Okay. So Promex, big on metrics, maybe logs? Are you thinking maybe logs? Perhaps. I think the extent of the log support out of Promex will be just the, the shipping mechanism. Given that mm. the, the plan is to have Grafana agent as part of Promex as kind of like an optional download, you can target that Promex ag- or that Grafana agent for you know exporting logs to Loki. But I don't think Promex will transform into a library where it also provides like structured logging mechanisms. I think there's some there's some good stuff already built into the Elixir uh, logger on that front. Mm-hmm. But that's not a problem I'd like to tackle in the Promex library. Yep. Okay, that makes sense. What about events? Uh, so, like traces, for example. I'm thinking events that we where we have from the Erlang library and the Erlang ecosystem, right? We have it's very rich in that it can expose all sorts of events, and I think this is where we are touching on the open telemetry and the sort of things that the Erlang and the Elixir ecosystem have going for them, which I think is a very good implementation, a very good story around telemetry. Ah, yes. Yeah. So let's rewind a little bit out of of Promex and talk about what you're hinting at here. Mm -hmm. So there are a couple projects in the Elixir and Erlang ecosystem. So OpenTelemetry, as far as I understand right now, is an implementation of the OpenTelemetry spec. I think it's solely just for tracing. I think even that library, so OpenTelemetry, builds upon another Elixir and Erlang library called uh, Telemetry. And that lives in a GitHub organization. I think it's Beam-Telemetry. But that library, so uh, Telemetry, offers library authors a way to surface internal library events to who's ever using that library. It's completely agnostic for how you structure these things, uh, aside from you capture some measurements associated with that event and some metadata. That's pretty much it. So every library can surface events, and you as the consumer of that library can say, okay, I want to pull out these measurements from the event and maybe this metadata from the event. So a perfect example would be the Phoenix web framework will service an event when it's you know, completed a request and when it's serviced a request. And inside of that event, it'll have a, a measurement for how long it took to service that uh, request. So that'll be your duration. And then the metadata may be the route that the person hit, the response uh, status code, the length of the response payload, et cetera, et cetera. And then if you choose to hook onto that telemetry event, you can use all that data. If you don't hook onto that event, it's effectively like a no-op. So you're not losing any you know, performance per se here. That's effectively how Promex works. All these libraries that I attach to are emitting these telemetry events. I just so happen to hook into all these telemetry events and then generate uh, Prometheus metrics out of them. So I think the story there in you know, Lexer and Erlang is very unique because the ecosystem has kind of said, okay, we're all going to use these foundationary uh, you know, building blocks. And now I think the last time I looked on hex.pm, I think there were like 140 libraries using telemetry, which means now across the ecosystem, we have this you know, ubiquitous language for how do we surface internal events in our libraries, which is, which is very, very powerful. Because now I don't need to learn how Phoenix exports events and how 
open exports events and how ecto exports events like it's all the same thing i just need to hook into like an id for what that event is and i'm off to the races at that point and i can capture kind of any any information that i like that explains why promex was such a i wouldn't say straightforward but almost like it was obvious how to put it together it was obvious what users want and need because you have all these libraries that expose these events they're there you can consume them so ecto this week open next week i'm simplifying it a lot but uh, roughly that's how you're able to ship support for all the different libraries because they all standardized on how they expose events is that a fair summary yeah, that's exactly right. It is uh, quite a it's bit simplified. Oversimplification, yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of times, like I'll sit down to write a like a Promex plugin, and as I'm writing the plugin, I'm like, hmm, I need some more data here. So mm-hmm. I'll make a PR to the library author, and then say, hey, I think we need some additional metadata here, or some additional measurements, you know, and then we have to go through that PR cycle, then I have to wait for a new release to get cut, and then I have to make the Grafana dashboards. So there's a good amount of work, but yeah, effectively, that's it. It's see what mm-hmm. events that library emits hook into them, convert them into uh, you know, uh, meaningful Prometheus metrics, make the Grafana dashboard, and then ship it. Hmm. That's a good one, actually. I like that, especially the last part, especially the ship it part. <laughs> okay. I thought you'd like that. <laughs> okay, so you have all these events. So I'm wondering if you're ingesting events, you're translating them into metrics. Is there a point where you could just expose those events raw And then something like, for example, Honeycomb, which loves events, could just consume them. And I think that's how the Honeycomb agent in some languages works, right? They they just expose the raw events. So, I I mean, I'd have to play around with that and see. Mm. Some of these events have a lot, a lot of metadata associated with them. Again, let's say that Honeycomb is infinitely scalable and it doesn't take any compute time. Yeah, sure thing. Just dump like Mm. (laughs) a couple thousand lines of metadata per event into Honeycomb. But yeah, I'd have to play around with Honeycomb specifically to see if, yeah. if if that's even possible. I'm also fascinated by it because I think the take is very interesting and I can see the uniqueness. I would like to understand it more, how they make that possible for sure. And the challenge is, I mean, if they pulled it off, which apparently they have, that's impressive. And I think it takes like an understanding of how complicated these layers are just to understand like what a feat that is in itself. So that's interesting. Okay, so we have telemetry, we have Promex, you mentioned about plugins. Is there anything specific that you'd like to add to Promex next? Anything that users are maybe asking for? Anything that you'd like to ship, which you know would be a hit? Yes, so aside from the Grafana agent, which I think some people are excited about. um, I am, I I am, big fan, please. So one thing I forgot to mention was, so in addition to supporting all these first-party plugins and Grafana dashboards, and you kind of hinted at this before, you know, users of Promix are encouraged to make their own Promix plugins and their own Grafana dashboards. And those plugins and dashboards are treated identical to how the first-party things are. So you're able to upload those dashboards automatically on application init. You know, your events will be attached automatically. So all those first party plugins are kind of like dog fooding the architecture. I wanted to see how easy it was to create plugins and dashboards and have them all kind of coexist together. So the idea is that you use Promix for all the like shared libraries in the ecosystem and then you write 
your own plugins and Grafana dashboards for things that are specific to your business that uh, you know obviously are not going to be supported in, in Promix. Yeah. So that's one thing I forgot to touch on. And what was the original question? <laughs> I was asking about like if there are any specific libraries that you are looking to integrate with. And I'm looking at the available plugins list and I can see which ones are stable. This is, by the way, on github.com forward slash a Kutmos with a K-O-U forward slash prom underscore E-X. And there's a list of available plugins. A bunch of them are stable. Uh, Phoenix, Open, Ecto, Phoenix, Beam, and the application. And then some are coming soon. Like Broadway, Absinthe. I'm not sure whether I'm pronouncing that correctly. And a few yeah, yeah, just like the booze. <laughs> right. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Okay. So Broadway, that plugin is more or less done. I made some changes to Broadway itself, and those changes were, were accepted and merged into the Broadway project. I don't think there's been a release cut as of as of us recording right now. Mm-hmm. So that plugin is kind of on hold until a, a release gets cut. And then I can kind of you know say that Promix depends on this version of, of Broadway if you choose to use the Broadway plugin because I added some additional telemetry events. The idea is to get Broadway wrapped up. Uh, for those who don't know what Broadway is, it's a really, really nifty library where you can drop it into your project and you could read from various queue implementations and it takes care of a lot of the kind of boilerplate and setting up a uh, you know concurrent and parallelized worker. So you can read from Rabbit, and you can configure, hey, I want uh, you know 100 Beam processes reading from Rabbit at the same time and processing the work from there. And I think that's mm. it supports Rabbit, Kafka, and I think Redis as well. But yeah, Broadway is on the list, and then Absinthe is on the list after that because. Mm-hmm. That's the Elixir GraphQL framework. So that seems to be pretty popular. Yeah, after those two are wrapped up, I'm just going to go on hex.pm, see which one has the most downloads after that, and just you know, think of that as a priority queue. Yeah. Whatever libraries have the most downloads that are the most popular, just make plugins for them as long as they support, um, they support telemetry. That makes so much sense. Of course. It's, it's like the way you put it, it's obvious. What's most popular? That thing. Okay, well... That will have the most users and will be most successful and, you know, people find most useful. So, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I like that. Very sensible. This episode is brought to you by Linode. Gone are the days when Amazon Web Services was the only cloud provider in town. Linode stands tall to offer cloud computing developers trust, easily deploy cloud compute, storage, and networking in seconds with a full-featured API, CLI, and cloud manager with a user-friendly interface. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, scale, and support you need to launch and scale in the cloud. Get started with $100 in free credit at linode.com changelog. Again, linode.com slash changelog. So one of the things that we wanted to do, I think we're mentioning this towards the beginning of the show, we were saying how Erlang 24 just shipped. I think it was a few weeks ago, the final 24 release. We have the first patch release and we wanted to upgrade the changelog app to use Erlang24. So here's the plan. By the time you're listening to this, either next day or a few days after, we will be performing a live upgrade on the changelog.com website 
from Erlang 23 to Erlang 24. We have Promex running, we have all the metrics, and we will see live what difference Erlang 24 makes to changelog.com. Promex is obviously instrumental. All the metrics and all the logs get shipped to Grafana Cloud. So that's how we will be observing things. And we'll be commenting out like, what is different? What is better? What is worse? So with that in mind, I'm wondering if there's any assumptions or expectations that we can set ahead of time. What are you thinking, Alex? Yeah, so I've, I've been thinking about this for a little while because measuring things before and after changes uh, it just excites me to see that you made a change and you have some measurable differences between how it was before and how it is afterwards. So I've been thinking about this and some of my hypotheses are that memory usage will go up slightly because that interpreted code that was compiled to native needs to be stored somewhere. Mm-hmm. So memory usage will go up slightly. And then I imagine you know most things CPU bound will be sped up. So serializing and deserializing from JSON, serializing and deserializing from Postgres database, all these things, we should see a considerable change in performance. Those are kind of top of mind at the moment. Mm. So how about you? I'm thinking that the end result that the users will see because of those serialization speedups is a lower latency. So responses will be quicker. Now, if you have listened to the changelog 2021 setup, you will know that if you're accessing changelog, you're going through the CDN. So every single request now goes through Fastly. And what that means is that the responses are already 10 times faster or maybe faster still. So your responses are served within 50 milliseconds. And that's what Grafana Cloud, the probes are telling us. So the website is already very fast because it's served from Fastly. What we will see, however, we have probes that also hit the website directly. So expect the response latency, if you go directly to the backend or to the origin, as the CDN calls it, it will be slightly lower. I also expect us the PostgreSQL, maybe not the queries necessarily, but the responses, as you mentioned, Alex, because of the serialization, to be slightly faster. So I would expect the data from the database to load quicker. And it will also result in a quicker response times to the end users. I'm very curious what happens with context switches. Are we going to have fewer context switches? So like less work on the CPU or more? Obviously context switches are not just like the work the CPU does, but I think things will be a lot less work to do. So fewer context switches. CPU utilization, I think it will go slightly down. But right now we don't have to worry about that because we have 32 CPUs. All the AMD Epics, the latest one, thank you Linode, those are amazing. I mean, everything is so much quicker. And we have the NVMe SSDs, it's just, everything is super quick. But yeah, for more, I mean, listen to the 2021 changelog setup where we cover some of these. I think the blog post will come out. So that's what I expect to see. So will it make a difference for the users? I don't think it will because they have the CDN, right? So everything is already super quick, as fast as it can be. You have TLS optimizations, you have data locality, you have all the good stuff, right? Because the CDN just serves requests from where you are. For the logged in users, because obviously those requests we can't cache, things will be slightly quicker. So for Adam, for Jared, whoever's working on the admin, those things will be quicker. Another thing which I do know that we do, we do background processing on like some of the S3 files, the logs and stuff like that. So I expect those to be quicker. 
but I don't know by how much. I think we're using Open for that, aren't we, Alex? Yeah, yeah, we're using Open to, I think Open was was set up uh, just to send out like asynchronous emails. I don't know if there's any other work being done by Open. But mm-hmm. now that you mentioned those things, we probably should have metrics in place to capture uh, those S3 processing jobs and see how long they take pre and post uh, OTP24. Yeah, that's right. That's actually a good one. That would be a great one to add. Okay, I'm really looking forward to that. And if you've listened to this, you can watch it live. And if you haven't, that's okay. You'll see it on Twitter. We will post. Maybe we'll even like do a scheduled live stream. Does that make sense for you, Alex? What do you think? Yeah, that works for me. Okay, so no impromptu. We'll schedule it, we'll say, on this time, at this day, at this hour. Okay, I like that. That's a great idea, actually. So we'll have like at least a few days of heads up. And then you can listen to this, and then you can watch that, how we do it. Great. That makes me very excited. Okay. So we're approaching the end. I think we need to end on a high because it's Friday when we're recording this. It was a good week and the weekend is just around the corner. So what do you have planned for this weekend, Alex? Anything fun? Uh, This weekend, I think I have one thing that I want to do in Promix, but Mm -hmm. then I'll be building a garden. So I'll be outdoors using the table saw and the, the miter saw and the nail gun and Putting together some nice uh, garden beds. Okay, well, that sounds amazing. You have to balance all the Promex and all their Lank Elixir work somehow, right? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, (laughs) okay. You need to find a a healthy balance between open source work, the full-time job, and a little bit of fun for yourself. Yeah, that's for sure. So building a garden, that sounds amazing. You must be either very good or very brave. I'm not sure which one. (laughs) Like either great DIYer or very brave, you'll figure it out. Which one is it? <laughs> I think, I don't want to be arrogant or anything, but I, th- I think I'm a decent DIYer. Right. I also used to tinker around with cars quite a bit you know, before I had a family. Mm-hmm. When I was okay to be financially irresponsible and you know buy you know, a $3,000 motor just because mm-hmm. I felt like <laughs> nowadays okay. you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, different times, right? Yeah, exactly. Different yeah. world. I, I could buy a motorcycle anytime I wanted to, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to worry about uh, you know, providing for my kiddos. So. Mm-hmm. I go with safe hobbies, like building garden beds or doing some woodworking. Okay, that's that sounds great. That sounds great. So I hope the weather is going to be great because for me, the weather has been rubbish for like all week. Windy. I won't say it's cold, but it's it's not nice. It's, it's rain. It's been raining all day, every day. We had some downpours as well. So it hasn't been really great. And Ryan, I'm looking at it like... I was going to do the barbecue. I love barbecuing, the proper charcoal one. The weather is not good. So I know maybe we get the parasol out so it doesn't rain and I barbecue regardless, maybe. I don't know. But what we have to do is post the pictures because how can people appreciate how good of a DIYer you actually are if they don't see your work? So Well played, sir. Well played. All right, I'll, have to, I'll have to take some selfies. <laughs> I usually straight from the to, selfies. Yeah. Yeah. And videos. Those are very important because if you don't take videos, someone else could be doing the work and you just take pictures. <laughs> no, that would never happen, right? It's only in movies. Never, never. <laughs> All right, Alex. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. I really enjoyed this. I'm looking forward to doing what we said we will do. That's super exciting. Shipping Erlang24 for changelog.com. That would be great. And which version of Promex are we at now? Do you know which one is the latest? Uh, so the latest, oh, I don't remember. I think 1.1.0 is the latest. And I right. think the change log is on 1.0.1. 1. 
Right. So, so not that far behind, but okay. Yeah, so we'll, we're on we'll the, bump it up. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So we ship that. That is exciting. Ship a garden in the meantime as well. Maybe barbecue. <laughs> we'll see. This has been tremendous fun. Thank you, Alex. Looking forward to next time. Yeah, likewise. Thanks. That's it for this episode of Ship It. Thank you for tuning in. We have a bunch of podcasts for developers at Changelog that you should check out. Subscribe to the master feed at changelog.com forward slash master to get everything we ship. I want to personally invite you to join your fellow Changeloggers at changelog.com forward slash community. It's free to join and stay. Leaving, on the other hand, will cost you some happiness credits. Come hang with us in Slack. There are no imposters. Everyone is welcome. Huge thanks again to our partners, Fastly, LaunchDarkly, and Minode. Also, thanks to Breakmaster Cylinder for making all our awesome beats. That's it for this week. See you next week. Thank you.